G'day mate, what's going on? Welcome to episode 50 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. It has been a long time coming. It is good to be back in the podcasting seat. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about training your anaerobic threshold, how to get the pacing right of your intervals. So if you go too hard, what happens? If you go too easy, what happens? We're also going to be talking about the big five exercises when it comes to strength training. Is this applicable to endurance athletes? And EPC coach Nick Taylor is going to walk you through the world of periodized nutrition. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Matty Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. G'day mate and welcome to episode 50 of the Exponential Performance Podcast. The first podcast of 2019, so also welcome to 2019. I hope your training has been going well to whatever your goals are. Whatever you've got on the cards, I hope things are going well towards those. What have I been up to? Well, I've dropped the ball on the podcast, to be honest. I've been flat out, um, had to get my office finished off, painted. The builders that we've been dealing with building our house, it's been a complete nightmare. And we're left with pretty much an unfinished house, so I've been finishing things off slowly. I uh, dismantled the office, finished it off, got it painted, so all my podcasting stuff was packed away. However, now we are back in the game. Office is set up, podcasting mic is back out, and we're going to be bringing you podcasts like never before. Um, what have I been up to on the training front lately? A couple of weeks ago, I had the Great Southern Brevet. Uh, Great Southern Brevet is a 1,100km self-supported bike packing event. Um, apparently, Brevet is a French word. Now, my French is pretty much non-existent, but from my experiences riding Brevets, I think what it means is like a really bloody long, hard bike ride. And that pretty much sums it up. So... I've just been recovering from the Great Southern Brevet. If you follow me over on Instagram, you will see I posted some pretty rough looking photos of myself um, talking through the recovery process. And I pulled up pretty well from the Great Southern Brevet this year. Often I'll have like, like you can literally hear my Achilles tendons creaking as I flex my ankle. Um, just because the tendon sheath around my Achilles is swollen up so much and you get this crepitous creaking going on um, and also through my wrists as well. This year I had no major issues, no creaky joints, no tendonitis, um, but just the normal wear and tear, I guess that comes from a thousand odd Ks on on the bike. Generally I feel the, the day after, so I wake up in the morning the day after I've finished and I feel like I've been run over by a bus, just completely smashed. Everything's swollen, like I mean everything. My knees are like balloons, they look like the elephant knees, my feet, my ankles, my face, my tongue, my lips, not to mention the undercarriage. But over this first few days of recovery, the swelling starts to go down and you start to feel somewhat normal again. And it's about this time as well that all the scabs 
um, on the undercarriage and elsewhere on the body and all the dead skin starts to peel off my feet, hands, lips, my sit bones just so much uh, so much peeling going on um, and then I got hit with overwhelming tiredness just I was completely exhausted from you know three three days after the event to about eight days following um, and I just have to take a nap throughout the day um, about eight days after the event though I woke up for the first time and I actually felt fresh in the morning and felt like I was rested so I knew I was starting to finally get a a foothold on my recovery now all the lingering stuff is is a few numb fingers on one of my hands uh, which I often get but it's not too bad this time and uh, the underside of two or three of my toes on each foot um, are still numb which I often get and I think that's from just the, like the lots of vibrations um, throughout the ride uh, on the feet and through the big toe especially and also just feet being wet um, in shoes for, for 20 odd hours a day for multiple days in the road doesn't do any good for you so I am clawing myself out of, bit of a bit of a hole from the Great Southern Brevet but feeling pretty good and starting to get back into the swing of training so if you want to check out those photos of my recovery there's a pretty haggard looking one of me there my state of my feet my hands um, and then sort of what I'm feeling like uh, 10 or so days later. Today was my first day back on the program and again if you follow me over on Instagram you'll see that I've posted some videos of some of the session um, that I did in the gym today just doing a bit of a restorative strength session to get the body moving again get a bit of load um, through the body and just sort of work things out. I am going to do an extended video on that and a bit of a talk through about what I've been up to um, later in the week uh, on YouTube so keep an eye out for that if you haven't already. A great way to keep up to date with everything that I'm putting out is to subscribe over on YouTube. You'll get a notification every time I upload a video so you don't miss out on anything. So that's coming up later in the week. Okay let's jump in and see what EPC coach Nick Taylor has been up to since we've had our podcasting break. Nick, over to you, mate. Yeah, I thought I'd start off this year by just giving you a quick rundown on what I have been up to, uh, what I'm training for, and how that's all been going. So I'm in the process of training for the Contact Epic Mountain Bike Race, which for those that haven't heard of it, is a 125km mountain bike race around the outside of Lake Hawea, uh, down here in the bottom of the South Island. And it is a fantastic race in the respects that it's hard, uh, it's a lot of pedalling, it's a lot of river crossings, uh, but there's not too much technical component to it. So the, the downhilling and the sort of cross-country technicality that I, that I like, uh, I've had to had to put aside and focus on, on building a really big sort of endurance engine. And so that's what Maddie and I have been focusing on for the sort of the first block of training, which kind of got me through till around about Christmas. Uh, so it was about an eight week block of, of endurance work, uh, a lot of nutrient deprivation or, or fasted training, and also a lot of uh, double up. So right in the morning, right in the afternoon to really put the, the aerobic system in the muscle glycogen side of things under pressure. Uh, over the Christmas period, I kind of did a little bit of freestyling stuff, um, quite a few missions, 
uh, one which I will save for a podcast by itself uh, because it was an epic mission and I had some some pretty extreme uh, health conditions or health issues occur throughout that. But for, for most of the period, I had a, a really fun time, a lot of riding with mates, um, a lot of technical stuff, um, spent a wee bit of time doing some, some downhill runs off the gondola in Queenstown, and now just starting to, to delve back into some sort of specific work. Uh, it's 12 weeks, 10 weeks, 10 weeks until the epic as of today. And for me, that starts the, the two rounds of a build block. Um, and so when I talk about build, talking about getting really specific, uh, so sessions very similar to what the race is going to be like, um, and really working on, on driving up my threshold um, to be able to work harder for longer. So yeah, got two, two four-week blocks of that, and then a couple of weeks of tapery and into the race. So over the next few weeks, I'll, I'll just be dropping in wee bits about my training, uh, but you can follow me on Instagram if you wish, uh, trying to post photos and, and wee snippets of my training on there. So my Instagram name is it's a Nick, Nick's life, I should say, uh, is we underscore in between each word. Um, so jump on there and have a look um, and see what I've been up to. And again, over the course of the next few weeks, as the podcast goes on, um, I'll be breaking down my goal of the epic and looking at how we, we build goals and how how to build uh, expectations and then how a coach would sort of periodize the training from there. And that can really help with athletes going forward um, after the summer season when you're starting to do a little bit of preparation through your off season as to what you might do. Um, and something that I've been really doing a lot of reading up on over the, the summer, uh, so really keen to pass on some of that information to you guys. If you're interested in getting a high quality structured training plan without the price tag of personalized training, make sure you check out the wide range of training plans that we have over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com under the training plans tab. There's a bunch of specific training plans there for specific races and events as well as general plans. If you cannot find what you're looking for over there, Flick me a message and I will see what I can do for you in the future for getting a plan created specifically around something that you might find useful. Along with those training plans, I've got a lot of other things coming out this year which I'm really excited about, but more on that later. Now we're going to crack into some well overdue listener Q&A. Thank you for sending these messages in. My apologies, it's taken so long to get to them. But first of all, here is Siobhan. Hi Matty, I'm Siobhan. I'm from New Zealand, but now based in the Netherlands. And I just had a question regarding your opinion on the use of the big five for endurance athletes. So I'm someone who started out years and years ago as a high school endurance athlete, and we learnt and used the big five a lot, and then continued this throughout varsity. Um, but over the past few years, Due to travel and not really having a well-equipped home gym, and also because of a shift in my fitness goals, I'm not incorporating these very regularly. So my question is, do you feel that the big five are essential for endurance athletes, or is this something that 
can be phased in and out just depending on your training cycle. Should endurance athletes start with them and learn them and then just revisit them from time to time? Or do you feel like endurance athletes uh, can still get a lot out of their strength training without ever incorporating the big five? Thanks. Hey, Siobhan, thank you very much for your question. Now, the big five. So first of all, for those that don't know, what are the big five? Well, the big five are the fundamental compound movements uh, in strength training. So we've got the squat, the deadlift or the hinge movement, bench press, bent over row and overhead press. These five exercises are often referred to as the big five. Now, Siobhan, I hope this is what you were referring to. If it's something completely different, then uh, let me know. But I'm pretty sure I'm on the right track here. Now, the big five, the squat, the deadlift, the bench press, the bent over row, and the overhead press are a great place to start for everybody that's looking at getting into some sort of strength training or resistance training. But they're not the be-all and end-all. However, when you think about it, the squat, the deadlift, the bench press, the bent over row or the overhead press are all the fundamental movements. Okay, the squat, the hinge, the press, the pull, and the overhead press. These are all the fundamental movements. So most programs anyway are designed around these movements or variations of these. So for the squat, for example, if you can't squat traditionally with a barbell in a rack, you could go for a single leg squat or you could do a leg press, or you could do a Bulgarian squat where you put your foot up on a bench or something behind you. Again, with the, the deadlift, you can do any range of hinging movements, the Romanian deadlift, trap bar deadlift, you get into some explosive hip hinging in the form of a kettlebell swing or a single leg Romanian deadlift. Kickstand deadlift, the list is endless. And again, for that push movement, the bench press, we've got push-ups, we've got single arm bench press we've got dumbbell bench press and then when it comes to the pulling movement we've got ring rows or horizontal pull-ups we've got actual overhead pull-ups which is a slightly different movement in terms of its vertical pulling but again it's still working that pulling movement pattern we've got a bench row we've got dumbbell row we've got a single arm row we've got an explosive ballistic kettlebell row whatever it might be and the same with overhead pressing. So what I think you'll find is that don't get too hung up on the big five uh, as it would be traditionally in terms of you have to squat, you have to deadlift, you have to bench press, bent over row and overhead press. What I'm going to say is that even if you cannot get into a fully equipped gym, you can do all of these movements at home pretty much without any gear. So what I would say is base your training around these movement patterns because all good programs are based around those fundamental movement patterns any, anyway of that squat, hinge, push, pull. So if you are getting those in there following that big five pattern, then by all means go for it. It may not be the traditional way, but once you've got those fundamental movement patterns in there, start adding in accessory exercises around them as well. So if you're thinking about you've got a squat and let's say you've got some sort of pushing movement for the day. 
Well, then your squat, you can add in accessory exercises that may target balance and core around that key squatting exercise. And again, with the, the pushing movement, let's say you don't have a bench press, you could do push-ups. And again, adding in accessory exercises around this key movement. So gym access is not essential, but it comes back to the, the benefits that you can get from it, get from strength training. As in you can either get direct performance improvements from strength training or indirect performance improvements. Now direct performance improvements come from the changes that you get largely in your neuromuscular system. And to stress the neuromuscular system adequately, you need to lift heavy. And there's a lot of research to support the lifting of heavy weights or using explosive movements to improve endurance performance. And we talked about this way back in episode 14. So if you haven't listened to that, get back and listen to episode 14. You'll get direct performance improvements through lifting heavy, through improvements in your neuromuscular system, recruiting more motor units, and making the muscle uh, being able to create more force and potentially therefore power. So to do that, you need to lift heavy. So that would be getting into the gym, okay? It's pretty much limited to the gym, although you can do some plyometric type power exercises outside of the gym on stairs and what have you. But then there's the indirect performance improvements that you can get. So you can improve your performance in endurance sport indirectly using strength training by developing a more robust body, more resilient to injury. That way you can go out there and do your sport more and harder in your training so that you are able to clock up more training hours, more training volume, more training load, so you adapt and become better that way. But the reason that you can do that is because your body is more robust and resilient than it was. And a lot of this indirect performance improvement can come from training that's not necessarily at a gym. And even if you're at home doing indirect, let's call it indirect strength training to improve your endurance performance, you can still be working the squat movement, you can still be working the hinge or the deadlift movement, you can be still pressing or pushing in terms of a bench press movement, you can still be rowing or pulling if you've got any sort of weight or a bar or rings to hang off. Uh, and you can still be doing overhead pressing as well as introducing those other accessory exercises around those key ones, that rotation and core stability. Now the other part of your question you asked, is it okay to come back and revisit these from time to time? Now, I think what you're meaning by this is that if you don't have access to a gym, is it okay to do lower weight, um, indirect type training, and then go back to the gym every once in a while and do some heavy lifting blocks? And that's a great way of doing it. I wouldn't advise an endurance athlete to lift heavy all the time anyway, because what's gonna happen is that the amount of training that you do in the gym is gonna train with your periodization. It should be in line with that. So the, what you're doing in the gym is gonna change uh, 
as just does what you do out on the bike, out on or in the water or out on the road. That changes as your training progresses. What you do in the gym needs to be periodized as well. And coming back into the gym for heavy strength blocks targeting those key big five compound exercises is a really good way of structuring it. Come back, do a big four week block in the gym, whatever it might be, and then go back out do some maintenance work, hitting those uh, body weight exercises or stuff you can do at home with minimal equipment, and then boom, come back into the gym, hit another block. Now, in episode 42, I also talked about um, home gym setups for endurance athletes. What gear is best to have at home to be able to get the most out of training at home? So episode 42 may also be a really good um, place to start listening as well. I'll put a link to both of those, episode 42 and episode 14, in the show notes over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash 50 for episode 50. There you go, Siobhan. I hope that answered your question. If it doesn't, let me know and we can work on expanding it or refining the answer so that you get the information you're after so you can train harder but most importantly train smarter next question hi my name's josiah and i'm a cross-country skier from alaska i have a question about pacing for anaerobic threshold training specifically if you're doing threshold intervals and you do them at too high an intensity to the point where you have trouble maintaining your pace or even finishing the workout do you lose out on the benefits of doing threshold work? Or do you just add a lot more stress to your body? Or is something else happening entirely? Thanks. Josiah, mate, thanks very much for your question. And remember, if you have a question you want answered, send me through a voice message at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash ask, as an A-S-K. If you don't want to come and send in a voice question, feel free to flick me through a message or an email uh, on the website or Facebook or Instagram, and I will do my best to get your questions answered here on the podcast. But Josiah, cross-country skiing, uh, anaerobic threshold training question, let's let's have a look at it. First of all, how awesome is cross-country skiing? Last year, I did my first season of cross-country skiing, learned how to cross-country ski up at Snow Farm down here in Wanaka and absolutely fell in love with the sport. It is such an amazing sport. If you have not done cross-country skiing, highly recommend give it a go. If you're in Wanaka uh, and and you want someone to go along with, come and I will happily go cross-country skiing with you. It is so amazing up there. Get away from the crowds, get out in the back, snow-covered mountains, uh, such a good training session as well. Uh, anyway, I digress. Try cross-country skiing, name of the game. So, if we're trying to train anaerobic threshold, let's remember what the goal here is. So the aim or the goal of training your anaerobic threshold, or how you train your anaerobic threshold, if you're trying to train your anaerobic threshold, you want to be accumulating time at or around anaerobic threshold, okay? So we want to be accumulating time at or around anaerobic threshold. So if we're going too hard 
like it sounds like Josiah might be. Will you still train anaerobic threshold? Well, the answer is yes. Your anaerobic threshold is still going to be stressed because of the intensity that the uh, lactate buildup. But it's not the effective zone. It's creeping more into the VO2 max sort of intensity. So while you're still going to get some stress on your anaerobic threshold, most of it's going to be on your VO2 max. And then... It's not overly effective for training VO2 max because the intervals for anaerobic threshold are often going to be longer. So what you're going to find is that it doesn't do a very good job of either of them. You're going too hard for your anaerobic threshold, which I'll talk about soon, but you're not actually uh, going hard enough for your VO2 max adaptations. So what you're losing out on is because you're going too hard, you're not able to complete the successive reps at the correct intensity. Intensity starts to drop off, so you're no longer in that effective zone. And remember our aim is that we want to accumulate time at or around our anaerobic threshold. So if you go too hard, the first two reps may be around your anaerobic threshold, slightly above, still training our anaerobic threshold. But then our subsequent intervals are going to be below our anaerobic threshold because we can no longer maintain the intensity because we went too hard and now we are fatigued. So what we want to focus on is a cumulative load. A cumulative load. So while it may be more load in those first couple of intervals, the following intervals, however many you've got, let's say in this case five, the following three intervals, the accumulative load isn't going to be at or around anaerobic threshold, it's going to be below. And especially if we can't complete the intervals because we're too blown out, then we're definitely not going to be accumulating time around our anaerobic threshold. So you're better off to slow those first two intervals down, still nailing at anaerobic threshold or around, and then you're able to complete the following three and your accumulative time at anaerobic threshold is a lot greater than if you were to go really hard on the first two, blow out for the subsequent ones. So always come back to that goal. Your aim is to accumulate time at or around your anaerobic threshold. How much time is going to depend on who you are, what your training history is, how many anaerobic threshold intervals you've done in the past, how many you did last week, how many you're going to do this week, all those sort of things. But the key thing is you want to accumulate time at or around threshold. So to really lock this in, you need to know your training zones. Now I assume you'll be using heart rate. So you need to get your heart rate zones dialed in and be disciplined with sticking to them especially on those first few intervals. Now the first few intervals, if you're finding you're going too hard, when you're in the correct zone, they actually may feel too easy. But the key thing is, is the first couple may feel easy, but remember it's about a cumulative load over the session. A training session is not just a one-off interval. Just like a training plan isn't just a one-off training session. The benefits come from that accumulation and consistency over time. 
So think about dialing things back a little bit, especially over those first couple of intervals. Being disciplined with your training zones, or first of all, know your training zones. Be disciplined with them. And think about that accumulative load that you're building up over the session because that's what's putting the stress on your body as a total load and that's what's going to give you the adaptations. So Josiah, I hope that makes sense, mate. If you're ever down in New Zealand cross-country skiing, hit me up. I'm definitely keen to go out. However, if you're a competitive cross-country skier, I'll be dragging the chain at the back, still learning my technique but I'm looking forward to this season so I can get back out there. Just remember, if you have a question you want answered on the podcast, send me through a voice message over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash ask, and I'll do my best to answer it for you. If you do not want to send in a voice message, hit me up through the website or over on Facebook or Instagram. If you don't have a specific question, but you have a topic that you would like us to dig into, let me know and we can do that as well. All right, let's jump in and see what EPC coach Nick Taylor has for us today about periodized nutrition. Today I just really wanted to cover off um, quite an interesting term or, or topic uh, which is called nutritional periodization. So quite timely to the, the periodization uh, for training that I've been reading about. Um, and most of you probably have heard about periodization. So basically taking a goal and setting out the number of weeks back from that um, and how you build up your training, incorporating recovery, different um, specificity kind of around the race, uh, base, aerobic building, anaerobic, all that kind of carry on. Um, so the t- same term is being used in the nutritional world around nutritional periodization. So just like we do with our training, we, we choose to do bigger volume sometimes or more intensity at other times. We can choose to eat different sort of, I guess, methods of dietary uh, manipulation, uh, whether it be a lower carb, a higher fat, um, or more carbohydrate, um, more protein, etc., around different phases of our training. So, one thing that I am doing some experimenting with myself is is utilising the the lower carb um, sort of keto kind of approach um, in mini blocks of maybe three, four, or five days uh, in a recovery week uh, when my endurance training is at its at a low point. Um, that way, I can still put out the performance in my um, endurance sessions by having the carbohydrate feeding beforehand uh, while trying to maximize some of the benefits that is, are attainable through a keto diet. One of those main benefits and, and sort of one of the main reasons I'm having we, we dabble with this is around trying to get into like a racing weight. Um, so obviously the, the old adage of you know power to weight um, is still applicable. Um, doesn't mean that everyone has to be super skinny on the start line. Um, all sorts of shapes and sizes do endurance and sport. Um, and people that are doing endurance sport aren't tending to use it from a weight loss point of view. Uh, by the time we, we get to training 10, 15 hours a week, um, the, the weight loss or kind of weight management component does tend to keep itself in check um, as long as we're, we're adhering to a, a relatively healthy diet, low alcohol um, and minimizing our stress. But for me, sort of over the past 
almost 18 months, uh, if not 12 months, um, have been on the slightly more unhealthier stage probably of, from a nutritional point of view. Um, and it, it does take a, a few balls to admit that on a, a scale like this. Um, but I'm happy to use myself as a guinea pig and, and I guess express to you guys that it's okay to have periods in, in time or periods in your life where you're not doing what you know you should be doing or what others think you're doing or what you expect to be doing and so forth. Um, and in my my other job as a, a rep on the road, I'm exposed to a lot of cafe and restaurant food, um, a lot of social opportunities to be consuming alcohol. And I would say I love nothing more than, than catching up with some friends over a, a nice cold beer on a hot day. Um, but it's about trying to find, find balances with that. Um, and so these wee nutritional uh, sort of periods that I'm going to drop into my training over the next 10 weeks and have been doing so since the start of the year um, are really nice ways just to kind of supercharge um, what I'm doing, complement my training, but also provide me with the energy um, when I need it in those key blocks. So all in all, nutritional periodization is, is simply the, the planning and manipulation of nutritional strategies uh, based around training, racing in different sp uh, parts of our seasons. So one thing that does bug me quite a lot is the fact Training Peaks doesn't have a, a really good nutritional integration. Um, and I've spent hours sort of scouring the internet to find a really good platform for nutritional uh, programming and, and planning. Um, and so far I haven't found one that integrates with Training Peaks at all. Um, so hopefully over the next sort of six months or so I can build some some really nice platforms um, whether it just be as on a spreadsheet um, that we can can start to integrate into some of the training um, of some of the athletes we look after um, and we can also share some of those resources with you guys down the track um, and maybe get a few of you on board as a guinea pig. Now due to the timing of the year and the, the New Zealand season uh, and even the Australian season where a lot of athletes are now starting to build up for that final race or that key race of the year. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about the goal setting um, and some of that initial periodization stuff just yet. I'm going to save that for a few months down the track once everyone's starting to get into thinking about resetting goals and, and laying out some, some base training through the winter and, and so forth. And so too with strength training. Um, one part of um, I guess the training and sports science that I'm really interested and passionate about is strength training. So I'm in the process of creating some, some cool resources around that and some programming tools for that. Um, it is another bugbear of mine that Training Peaks has a horrible integration with anything strength related. Um, and to the point where I've been in contact with them and they've basically said, look, what you're doing is, is the best option. Um, and that is simply free typing into the box. Um, so trying to create some plans and some programs that we can make interactional. Um, so I'm going to use that again too in a few months time down the track once once people are starting to look to build some strength over the, the winter periods. So next week I am going to have a, a conversation around hydration um, and that will lead into the, the story about my trip over summer um, that didn't go so well. Um, so stay tuned for next week, keep up the good work on your training and we'll catch you soon. Bye. Now, it would be greatly appreciated if you find this podcast helpful, if you could leave a comment. Whatever platform you are listening on, could you please 
leave a comment and if you found it super helpful can you please go over to iTunes and leave a rating and write a review thanks Jono NZ for leaving this review over on iTunes this is what he said I love this podcast it's the perfect mix of science and practicality as I'm not an elite athlete my success is measured on how much I improve and learn every episode I listen to I have made some kind of change to my training or my race day prep and it has had a clear impact on my performances Jono bloody good to hear mate thanks for listening also hops and barley they left us a review over on iTunes go hard or go to hospital inspiring and full of myth busting information to make me ride faster and understand my body out riding the long rides listening to Maddie G often has me laughing and getting me through the tough climbs or cold wet nutrient deficit rides you're a star mate keep up the great work hops and barley thank you very much for leaving that review over on itunes it is greatly appreciated it would be really awesome if you too could head over as well to itunes and leave a review of the podcast over there this just helps it get ranked higher in itunes so that this podcast can be more sustainable moving forward into the future for all of the resources that we talked about today on today's episode of the podcast you can check out the show notes over at exponentialperformancecoaching.com slash 50 also make sure you subscribe on youtube stitcher itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so you stay up to date with all of the latest stuff we have coming out or come on over to Facebook or Instagram at the Exponential Performance Coaching Facebook page and continue the conversation. Until next week, make sure you get out there and train hard, but most importantly, train smart.